So this week was a tough week for me. I think uh, just when we Ethan's now eight weeks old now, right? So two months old, and homie does not sleep at night. Okay, and so if you guys want to pray for me, and you want to pray for my wife, uh, us together, please pray that Ethan will sleep. Because uh, in the daytime he sleeps, but at night, man, he wakes up like sometimes every hour, sometimes every two hours. And uh, I don't wake up, you know, I, I sleep through it because I have to go to work. But then Mina, you know, she's having a hard time. And then also I have to wake up early, take care of the baby and stuff. So we're praying that he will sleep through the night. Um, I think it's, I think, man, God has to give me, give me a... Uh, God has to give me the, he has given me the faith to believe because I know it will happen. Because if it doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen to my preaching. Man, I'm going to be falling asleep up here. But uh, um, it's great. I love my son. He's very cute. Sleep, man. Come on. Um, last week, I preached the word uh, regarding peace and uh, being established in the, plat- in the platform of peace. You know, and uh, this week, I'm going to continue on from the same chapter. From Acts 12. So if you guys can go to your, your Bibles and go to Acts 12. We're going to look at the last part of Acts 12, starting with verse 20. Okay? And so, I'll read for you guys. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's, the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So last week, I talked about Herod a lot last week, and he was actually one of my points, was his his Herod was a man, he was a king, and he actually was a king of a a quarter of the Roman Empire. He was a very influential man, had a lot of power, a lot of authority, but he ruled with fear. He had, a, he had a lot of fear and, a, and anxiety on his heart. And so as he had fear and anxiety, he was not able to fully exercise the authority that he had as a king. And for us, it's similar. When we have fear and anxiety in our lives, man, we can't exercise our authority. You have to understand that God, you being people of God, you being children of God, as Christ lives in you, you guys have great authority. Okay? It says in the Word of God, read the Word of God. It says you guys have great authority. But as you are taken off of that platform of peace, you guys start to lose that authority. You don't lose it, but you, you aren't able to exercise your authority. And similar with wisdom, okay? As you guys are taken off of that place of peace, whatever you thought was wisdom starts to not be wisdom to you. And whatever wisdom that is being released onto you, you're not going to have the clarity to understand it. And so this is one of my points. It came from um, doing a character study on the person of Herod, Agrippa, Agrippa the first. Uh, and then now we read about his death. Okay, Herod, uh, he was a bad man. Okay, histor- historically, he became king by ratting out his uncle, uh, Herod the Tetrarch, uh, to the Roman emperor Caligula. Okay, that's a cool name, Caligula. 
Uh, and then, and so, so his uncle was exiled to an, uh, uh, a different different part of the world. And Agri- Agrippa the uh, first, he took his uncle's throne, and along with it, the Tetrarchy, which is the the quarter of the Roman Empire, this huge, this this huge um, area of uh, his dominion uh, to rule over. And then, um, throughout this time, Carrot, we we learn in the beginning of chapter twelve that he kills James, one of the sons of thunder, brother of John. Put, uh, he 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 takes him, he arrests him, and he chops his head off. Okay, and then he this he realizes that this actually like pleases the Jews, and so he's like, all right, I'm going to go on a rampage. And I'm going to start taking out every Christian that is out there. And I'm going to start with the top, and he go and he grabs Peter, okay, and he grabs Peter, and he's about to to execute Peter, and um and and right after, and then pre- Peter gets freed um, by the angel, and and Herod finds out, and he has his hissy fit. And he kills all the guards, and then he takes off to Caesarea. That's the end of, uh, the, of the verse that we ended last week. And then right after this, Luke records Herod's death. Okay? When you read about it, it sounds kind of crazy. Okay? It says that the angel of the Lord struck him down okay, because he did not give God glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Okay? It's kind of a, a crazy account. Uh, there's a man, his name was Josephus. Okay? He was a Roman... Jewish historian, a lot of, if you do a lot of church history, you're going to learn a lot about Josephus, because he was a, he's an accredited secular scholar and historian, and, and when, when you read through what he wrote, he actually has an account of how Herod um, Agrippa I died, and I'm going to read this to you, okay, it says, on the second day of the spectacle, clad in a garment woven completely of silver, so that its texture was indeed wondrous, he entered the theater at daybreak. There the silver illuminated by the touch of the first rays of the sun was wondrous, radiant, and by its glitter inspired fear and awe in those who gazed intently upon it. Straight away, his flatterers raised their voices from various directions, through hardly for his, though for hardly for his good, ad- addressing him as a god. May you be propitious to us, they added, and if we have hithered feared you as a man, yet henceforth we agree that you are more than mortal, you're more than a mortal, be, mortal being, you are a god. The king did not rebuke them, nor did he reject their flattery as impious. Im, imp, impious. Okay? And then shortly after that, he says he grabs his heart, and then he falls dead. Okay? So that, this is how Joseph is, like, actually like a Roman historian. This is how he records the death of King Herod. Okay, when I read this, it really reminds me, kind of reminds me of what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, if you guys turn to Daniel uh, chapter four, okay, let's go to Daniel chapter four. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the he was emperor of Babylon. Okay, he it was one of the greatest empires. Known to man at the time. Okay, there was, before this, there was never, uh, there was an empire bigger than Babylon. Okay? And it says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, at, at, at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal resident and for the glory of my majesty. Okay? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you 
And ye shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an oxen. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feather. And his nails were like bird claws. <laughs> okay. It kind of makes me, it's this weird imagery of King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> but it says at the end of the days, he, he went insane. Okay? But he's at this pinnacle of his, he's like, he's like in the top of his, his power and his glory. And he's like, man, look what I did. I, like, it's by my hands and by my majesty that I, was, I have created this empire. And then God just says, all right. And he makes him go insane. And he goes out in the field and he lives like a, like a, like a cow eating grass. And, you know, his hair grew long and his fingers, fingernails were like bird claws. All right. So when I read this, uh, what lessons do we find here? Okay. When we read about Herod, okay, what is the lesson that we, we learn? Okay. What, what lesson? What, we, what would you say, Todd? Okay. Don't deny God's glory. Okay. Glory to God. It says in the word of God, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to car- carved idols. Okay, whatever idols man tries to put up, it will fall. Okay, it will fall. Give glory to God. Break pride off of us. Everything we have and do is from God, so acknowledge him in everything that we do. That's a good lesson. That is a great lesson. Okay. Now on a side note, Okay, this is just a side note. It's kind of a tangent that I want to go on. People kind of, they, Isaiah 42, 8, where they say, where he says, I give my glory to another. I will give my glory to no other. Um, they kind of have this verse kind of twisted, okay? They take this verse and say, well, God shares his glory with no one. So they have, they, they have this automatic response. Glory to God. Glory to God. Great sermon. Glory to God. Great praise set. Glory to God. No. Like great pants, glory to God. <laughs> and in their attempt at humility, they overcompensate and become a, it becomes a point of pride. Okay? Now, I heard you rocked it out in the missions field, Noble. Oh, glory to God. It was all God. It's not me. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy to take part in what God is doing. This kind of attitude, although it might sound holy and humble, we fail to recognize Christ at work in us. Okay? That kind of attitude is really not biblical. Yes, we are to be humble. Yes, we give the glory to God. We acknowledge Him. But when we read the Word of God, and, it's, and it, He does say He shall share His glory with no other. But it also says in Romans eight sixteen, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also... Be glorified with him. In other versions, it says, share his glory. Okay? Isaiah 61, to arise, shine, for light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it goes on to say, his glory will be seen upon you. Second Thessalonians 2.14, to this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Christ, of our Lord Christ Jesus. And, and 
what I, one of the points that I want to drive in with this is that it's about Christ in me. Hope of glory. It's about Christ in me. Knowing that because He is in me, there's nothing that I can't do. It sounds very similar. Okay? Glory to God. Okay? It sounds similar, but one is self-deprecating, and the other is Christ-exalting. Okay? And that's what we have to be. You know, one of the lessons that Pastor Christian, is a sermon that he talked about a long time ago, is that we share in Christ's glory. As a man, right? As a man, yeah, you know. But through Christ, I share in his glory. And that's how the attitude that we need to have. That we are co-heirs with Christ. However, sorry, that is not my message today. That was just actually just a side note. We look at the death of Herod, and it's easy to see that the lessons that I just talked about, it's, it's a good lesson. Okay, giving glory to God, exalting, uh, not, and, and, uh, exalting nothing, no one above uh, God Almighty. That's a good lesson. As a matter of fact, it's a really good sermon. But I believe that this is not the point that Luke is trying to make as he writes the end of chapter 12 of Acts. Although it's a good lesson, Luke puts it in here. It's not, it's not the focus of his passage. As a matter of fact, the story of Herod, the account of Herod uh, dying, is added to make a point that we can find on verse 24. Okay? And it starts with the word, but. In the Greek, it's day, and it means but. I believe that Luke writes Acts 12, starting with the death of James and ending with the death of Herod, all to make this one point. And it's found in verse 12. But the word of God increased and multiplied. I believe that the point that Luke is trying to make here is that no matter what force is against the word of God, it will never stop increasing. It will never stop multiplying. It will never stop advancing. You know, Acts 12 starts with, the, with Herod killing James. And beginning his attempt to wipe out his kingdom with this uprising. The king who has the power to give and take lives at will has decided to go against the word of God. But it's not Herod or his predecessors. It's the spirit at work that is within Herod. It's a spirit known as the Antichrist spirit. 1 John 4.3 And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And this demonic spirit has used Herod's family to try to not only do away with the person of Christ, but now the message of Christ and the gospel of Christ. And, the, and this king, at the height, at the pinnacle of his power and authority, okay, they see him as a god. They see him coming out with the silver outfit on shining against the sun like he's glistening you know he's like waves of like sprinkles and sparkles are coming off of him and they're like you are a god herod you are a god he's at the pinnacle of his power nothing from his lips can be wrong and in his hubris it's a greek word as at the point at the peak of his pride he is struck down dead by an angel of the lord but the word of God 
It continues to increase. It continues to multiply. And this is the end of the second section of Acts. Luke wrote this book to coincide with the words of Christ. My witnesses in Jerusalem, part one. In Judea and Samaria, part two. And to the ends of the world. And this is right here. This is the end of part two. It's the end of Judea and Samaria. And right here, Luke puts a final period at the end of part two with the message, nothing, no power, no man, no king, no spirit can stop the word of God from going out, from increasing, from multiplying. He starts it with Herod and he ends it with Herod. He wants to make a point. That is the confidence that we have in the word of God. This is the confidence we have to have in the gospel. Confidence in what is available to us now through the word of God at all times. It's the word of God. We don't have to sugarcoat it. We don't have to make it fun. No, we don't have to be ashamed of it. We don't have to intellectualize it. We have confidence in the word of God and know that it goes with us and it continues to go. It's continuing to advance. It's continuing to move forward. And today I want to give you guys some points on why the Word of God is always advancing, always moving forward, always increasing, always multiplying. Number one, it's because it's the Word of God. It's the very Word that spoke the universe into existence. Everything that exists was spoken into being by His Word. And it's that Word, the Logos, That became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's that word that died and rose again and paid for our sins. And it's the spirit of the world, spirit of that word that inspired this book and wrote the gospels. And it's that very word that goes out when the gospel is preached. It is an unstoppable force. It's the word of God. It's the breath of God. It cannot be stopped. And we have to have confidence in knowing. That is, it is not the word of man. When we speak, when we preach the gospel, when we tell somebody about the gospel, it's not the word of man. It is a word of God. We have to have confidence in that. We have to have confidence in knowing that no matter how uneloquent or how, you know, bumbling that this gospel goes out from my mouth, we have to have confidence that it's the word of God that's going out. I'm not a very eloquent speaker. But I have confidence that it, when I speak, it's not because I'm this great person. It's because God, God speaks through this. Amen. We have to know that it is, we are equipped with this, with the word of God. That's why it's multiplying. That's why it advances. Number two, the word of God. It continues to multiply because it's effective. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word I want to draw from this passage is useful. The word of God is useful. The reason why the word of God continues to multiply is because it does what it says it does. It's practical. It's effective. It works. We need to be taught. We need to be rebuked at times. We need to be corrected. We need to be trained in righteousness. Amen. Equipped. It does all of this thing, all of these things. Amen. We read the word in spirit 
but it affects us in our lives, in the practical, in the way we live our lives. You can't read this book in spirit and in truth and not have it transform every facet of your life. That's, that's, that's a guarantee. You, if you don't, some, of you, some people don't read it in spirit and in truth. They just read it like a book. I told you about my friend Humpty. So y'all know him. He used to read, he used to read his book. I, have, I had a friend uh, when I was in prison, and he used to read the Bible. Like, like uh, I used to catch him reading this tiny plastic Bible. And I, I went up to him one time. Are you Christian? You read the Bible a lot. He's like, no. I just read it because I like the stories. And he was reading it like a book. He was reading it like he was reading like, you know, Harry Potter. But when we read the word of God in spirit and in truth, I guarantee you it will transform your life. It will transform every facet of your life. And it's because the word of God is effective. That's why it keeps going out. That's why it keeps advancing. Number three, the word of God continues to increase because the word of God is penetrating. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no wall that man can put up. There is nothing that man can put up against the word of God. Receive the word of God with, with the spirit. There's nothing that the word of God can't penetrate. There is no heart, heart that's too hardened for the word of God to penetrate. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. When we preach, when we share, when we evangelize, we have to know that it's the word of God in its power and in, in the spirit, of the, in light of the spirit, spirit of God that will pierce the hearts of men. Bring them to conviction. Bring them to repentance. Because it's penetrating. And it's the word of God. It's not how you deliver it. You don't have to make it fun. You don't have to dumb it down. Sometimes you do. But the word of God is penetrating. It pierces the hearts of men, no matter what kind of walls they put up. Man, I've seen people with the hardest walls. But as long as you look at the Word of God, in light of the Spirit, man, the Word of God, it penetrates. There's no heart that's too hard for the Word of God to penetrate. Number four, another reason why the Word of God is always advancing the Word of God is life-giving. The Word of God is life-giving. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 55. I think this is an amazing, awesome verse. Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11. I'll read it to you guys. For as the rain... And the snow comes down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and, and sprout, 
giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what, that which I pr- purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. This is an amazing picture of the word of God. How it produces life. It not only saves people from sin, but also makes us fruitful. It pours upon us and brings us abundance. It gives us life. And because it gives us life, we go out. And that word that was deposited in us never goes back to God void. It produces life. It accomplishes His desires. The word of God is life-giving. I remember I went to a mission trip. My first mission trip that I went with New Philly was to India. And we, we, the first place we went to was in Delhi. And we went to a place called Grace Home. It was an um, orphanage and church that was started by Pastor John, one of the, the nicest and the happiest man that you will ever meet. And, and I remember he told us the story. We were up on the roof of the, of the orphanage. And Mino was there. And, and, and he sat us down, and he told us about how he started Grace Home. And I remember every one of us were bawling like little babies. We're, all, we're like, ah! It was so powerful. This man was filled with the Word of God. And I remember when we first went to Grace Home, and we were driving, I was like, and we parked. And, and then, like, next to it is a slum. And to the right of it is a slum. And behind it is a slum. And I remember going, and I was like, man, this place is kind of. But when we went inside, and when all the kids came out, and we started to have the service, man, that place came alive. And it was filled with life. It was filled with so much life. I, I teach at a, at a preschool, and it, it pales in comparison to the life that was being rejuvenated in this, in this, in this small orphanage in the middle of India. We went to another orphanage called Mary Claire. Mary Claire is worse. Because Mary Claire, you look in one direction, and it's not just the next, like, lot. It's like for the next six miles is slums and garbage. And then you go look this way, and for another six miles is slums and garbage. And you look this way, and for another six miles is slums and garbage. I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, slums. I'm talking about garbage everywhere. And you look this way, yes, it's slums and garbage. But when you, when you look inside, it's like they have these walls and you go inside Mary Claire. They have the most amazing little kids that you will ever see. Filled with life. There, there is garbage literally all around them. And, and you look out and you think, this is my future. But these kids are flourishing. These kids were alive. They, they, were, they made us, man. There's pictures on my Facebook wall from when we went to... I, I got... I, I, that's where I saw God spoke to me so powerfully. It's like wherever I go, life follows. It doesn't matter what you think it, this place looks like. I am here and I bring life where I go. And that place was flourishing. Those kids, man, we, we would have a prayer meeting and those kids would pray for each other. I remember one of the kids like, like, like was praying for his little brother. What was her name? Felicia or Felicia? Yeah, she was, she was this little girl. She was like five, six years old. 
She's praying, and you, you can't fake this, man. She was praying for this little boy, like like with power and fire. And and we, I remember when we left, and we were crying. They, they sang us this song, and, and, I, and we had a friend named Trudy. I'd never seen a woman cry so hard before. <laughs> we're driving in the car, and we're in the front, and we're like, oh, 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 and we're like, man, it's like, we're it's been like twelve miles, okay. But man, we were so touched because when we saw the place, the conditions that they were living in, there was so much life. There's so much life. And it's because the word of God was established in that place. It was being preached in that place. The word of God is life-giving. It can pump life into anything that you, you think is dead. The word of God brings life. Lastly, the Word of God is always increasing, always advancing, always multiplying, because the Word of God is eternal. Matthew 24, 35. She just says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Everything that we see on this earth, even the universe, will pass away. Your clothes, ladies, your designer handbags, guys, your PS4s. Your computers, your cars, your homes, Kwangan Bridge, <laughs> your earthly bodies, no matter how fit they are. Noble Samanin, <laughs> Ine Kang. No matter how much CrossFit you do, it passes away. It ages. Everything will pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. Because the Word of God is eternal, it is unstoppable. The Word of God, it makes us eternal. We are eternal beings. And it's when the Word of God, through faith in Christ, bring eternity into people's lives, it causes that person to advance the Word of God. Increase the Word. Think about it. Over 2,000 years, the gospel has gone to almost every country. It never stops advancing. It never decreased. It's because people have realized the truth of their eternity. As they're born again, they realize their eternity, their eternal condition. And it comes from the eternal word of God. And as that eternal word of God goes out, it advances his word. Now, throughout history, for centuries, people have tried to oppose the gospel and the word of God. They've tried to oppose it with the sword. You know, they've imprisoned, they've beaten, they've tortured, they've killed people carrying the word of God. And yet, it still advances. And yet, it still moves forward. Throughout history, the word of God, when, when, when killing people didn't work, that antichrist spirit, it opposes, it opposes the word of God through ridicule. Throughout history, there have been philosophers and great minds that have tried to bring down the word of God to mere foolishness. But they pass away in the word of God. It advances. They try to replace the word of God, substitute it with something close, minus the Christ. And it can actually help some people. Substitute it with lies and heresies, and yet the true gospel of Christ, it still advances. It's because it is the Word of God. It is 
unstoppable. It's irrefutable. Many times in scriptures, he commands us to not add or remove anything from the word of God. You know why? Because it's perfect. And now we live in a generation that tries to oppose the word of God using every way possible. It uses death. It uses killing and torture in parts of the world. There's this, our world has become a world that ridicules the word of God. When we see things on TV, American television, man, it tries to, to, to minimalize us down to a bunch of bumbling idiots, fools that, will, that are willing to believe in a lie. There's heresies. The, 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 the word of God has, has, has been removed from our schools. It's been opposed in every way possible. And yet, it still advances. It still increases. It's because the word of God is unstoppable. It's effective. It penetrates our hearts. It gives us life. It's eternal. But I want to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you about the kicker in all of this. Okay? It's always advancing. It's always increasing. It's always multiplying. However, it doesn't do so without human channels. It always advances because people take the word. They live the word. Basically, it doesn't advance without you and me. And for generations and centuries, men and women of God have taken this and, 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 and ingested it. Ingested it to the... At one point, people had to memorize this. I don't know if you guys read, watched the book of Eli, but, but Denzel, he's good looking. Eh? Um, Denzel, he... It's a weird movie, but he's like, the Bible has been eradicated from the earth, right? And, the, and, and then there's these guys that are they're, they're after Denzel because they think that, that they have a Bible and they think that the Bible can heal. And then Denzel, I don't know why they're, they think that he have it, but he doesn't have it. But it's because it's in him. He's memorized it. And at the end, he's about to die. And then he's like, he starts reciting in the beginning. And I was like, whoa. It's not a it's not a very like biblical movie or anything, but I watched it. I was like, man, there were times in history where people that's how the Bible advanced. People memorized it. People memorized it. It, it, The paper was so valuable that one Bible was like 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 a, a thousand people to one Bible. None of them knew how to read, but still it advanced, still moved forward. We live in a generation. We have the Bible on our phones, yeah. on, our, on our laptop, on our iPad. We have the actual Bible. We have six copies of it. <laughs> I think we have more. <laughs> In multiple languages. We have... This has to be living and active in us. Amen. If we're going to advance the Word of God, in this generation that opposes it so fiercely. It's the end times, guys. 
This is the end of, you know, we might actually not perish away because Jesus might come back. We have to ingest this. This has to be active and alive in us. The word of God. And how amazing is that? That God chooses it to do it through us. Through us, through me. Through, through Julie, through Todd, through Jin, through all of you guys in here. That's the way that he chooses to do it. Yeah, he could, he can like download it into us. The word of God, that's good. And we all live like, nah, nah. no. Like, like, like glory to God, glory to God, you know? Like a bunch of robots. No, but he, he doesn't. He chooses to make us precious and valuable. He adds worth to us by giving us the word of God and, and telling us, advance my kingdom. I give you this job. How amazing is that job? I have a friend back there. He's a nuclear scientist. That's the, that's the craziest job I've ever heard in my life. That's like the awesomest job I've ever heard in my life. And yet, we have a greater job. It's to advance the kingdom of God. How amazing is that? It's like how Luke mentions Barnabas and Saul, John Mark, at the end of this chapter. He reminds us that it happens through them. It happens through these men. Through us. It says, but the word of God, increase and multiply. But the word of God increased and multiplied and shine went to India. But the word of God is always advancing and noble went to the Philippines. This is so much more than just a book. It's the word of God. It's the very word of God that created the heavens and the earth. And how, how awesome it is that, that he gives it to us. And, he, and he, he, he shows us, gives us the Holy Spirit to make this come alive for us. And as it comes alive, he uses us in a way that brings him glory. And you know what? We share in that glory. He's telling us, carry this. Carry my word. Carry my word. Make it alive and active in you. And go and advance it. Take it. I want you guys, let's pray. Let's close our eyes. I just want to pray and we'll close. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you spoke this universe into creation. You, we thank you, Lord, that you spoke this world into being. You spoke me into existence. You spoke Ethan and created him. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that word, your breath, creation, what can create out of nothing is contained in your word. And not only do you give it to us, but you give us the appointment. You appoint us as carriers of your word. How awesome is that? We thank you. And I just pray, Lord. I pray for every single person in this place today.
That they will be carriers of the Word of God. That this Word that is always increasing, that is always advancing, that is always multiplying, will be active and alive in us. That wherever we go, no matter how dark the place we go, no matter how horrible it looks, no matter how much garbage is around us, as the Word of God and the Spirit of God is alive in us, you bring life. You bring salvation. You bring your kingdom to wherever we go. So Lord, raise us up, God. Raise us up. Raise us up as carriers of your word. May your word inhabit us through the power of your spirit that it will come alive in us. That it will advance through us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have already won the victory. That it is already done. That we are playing for the winning side. And so we, we say that your gospel, your word, is perfect. And we pray that every opportunity that we have, that we will speak it with boldness and confidence. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you entrust us with this task. To establish and advance your kingdom upon this earth. And that, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.